Hello and welcome to Inside Living. I'm Steve Carfino, alongside my co-host and partner Elizabeth Mucci. Today we're talking about anxiety with the problems and uncertainty that COVID-19 has brought on. The show is brought to you by Life on the Inside for a happier, healthier families. And let's get right into it. Basically, anxiety is the uncertainty or the unknown. Yeah, it's um, it's fear of all of that. The fear of what's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen with the change? What's going to happen with um, me maybe losing my job? Um, are they are they going to make changes now that I'm not at work? Are they going to notice that I'm not making a big difference? Um, and this will be a lot of it in your head. You know, um, it's more, you know, it's that closed world of what's going on in your head. It doesn't mean it's a reality. Um, and some, in some cases, it's very real, you know. Um, but it's that, you know, am I, you know, catastrophizing. Some people will keep going and going. and So I think a lot of the time there's a few things I tend to sort of do. Um, take it to the limit. Sort of go, okay, what happens? If at the worst case scenario, what's going to happen? And that might be I lose that job. Um, I, I can think of so many times where people have lost jobs and ended up in a much better job or a much better environment. Or there might have been bullies at work and now this is their chance. Or it might to, to break away from that bully. Or I didn't like that job anyway. You know, there's there's a lot of positives that come from that. So I think once you play out that sort of what's the worst thing that can happen, everything else seems a lot less, you know, dramatic. Yeah, for me, with with my job, it was like a lot of uncertainty. Every day there was an announcement that the situation was going to change. They were getting rid of casual staff. And then after that, it could be you would have to take um, your annual leave. Then after that, it, there was there were talks about you would have to take uh, leave without pay. Yeah. And I think that once I kind of got my head around the fact that there, I, I didn't have any control over this, that I just had to adapt to whatever was thrown at me. I just kind of relaxed and said, you know, there's no need to, to worry about it until it actually happens. So I think that for me, my anxiety was what's going to happen if and once I kind of let go of that, I felt a lot better. Yeah, exactly. And then there's um, other factors involved with anxiety. So that that's probably a common one for, for many people, whether they've ever been anxious before in their life or not. Yeah, who's um, never been anxious? Yeah, yeah, well, some people are more anxious than other people. <laughs> um, and so then wondering, because um, some people have got, you know, that I've spoken to really don't have that much to be anxious about as far as at the moment. It's not necessarily, they might have really secure jobs or um, they're just anxious about the world and what's going to happen with COVID and how it might be affecting the world in general. And, and they're very real concerns, you know, like how does this change our world um, and and, and what does this mean for maybe their grandparents or their parents or, um, you know, there's a lot of joy in meeting up with people and socialising and we get, um, you know, fulfilment through being able to help others and hugging and, you know, kissing other people and, and warmth and, I mean, that's why we do those things because they are really um, rewarding or fulfilling emotionally for us. So this is us having to change and adapt to that sort of um, 
that situation that or, or constrictions that have been placed on us, you know. And so um, there, there's definitely those things that are very real, but it doesn't help us to be anxious about it because there's nothing we can do about it in the sense of from a world scale, how is we can't control how people interact and whether they listen to rules and, and things like that. But what we can control is how we behave, you know, how we might help others behave and, and influence or inspire and come up with ideas and things like that. So I think it's it's better if we just deal with the things that we actually can control. Um, I do this with illness as well. You know, people will come to me with um, some pretty serious illnesses and um, really serious autoimmune diseases and oh, just, um, you know, problems that haven't been solved for a really long time, like chronic fatigue, they don't know what's happening or why, or pain and no one can figure out why they're in so much pain, <clears throat> or um, exhaustion and they just don't know. So I always say to them, look, how about we, with the things that we can control in your body, let's work on those and better them and make them as high a standard as we can. And let's then see how our body working at 80% um, better, how that affects the 20% that might be experiencing some, you know, defect or, or disease. Um, and a lot of the time they get better because they've worked on bettering the things that they can actually control and, and it really minimises the impact of the things that they can't control. Well, for me, it's... Um things that you know, I don't have a, a scientific uh, reason for why I do things. Often I'll just feel a little bit anxious and whenever I feel anxious, I want to do something about it. So I think that this situation that we're living in is bringing on a lot of change, you know, and with change, you have to come up with solutions. And for me, say, for example, not being able to see my children, you know, as regularly and as often as I want, um, you know, the, the strain on the relationship, you know, one of the things that, that I'm trying to do is because we can exercise is go for a walk, you know, with my kids, you know, at least once a week. And in that walk, we've just kind of drummed up some conversations that we've never really had before, which has been pretty good. And one of the things was, um, you know, what are you going to do? I was talking to my daughter. What are you going to do in this situation? You have a lot more time on your hands. You know, instead of, you know, sitting there and saying how bored you are, what are the what is something that you can do that you've never had time to do before? And one of the things that we came up with was the fact that we both need, you know, she works as a receptionist and, you know, I work at a school and I'm not great with a computer. And one of the things that we spoke about were uh, I could use some help in Excel spreadsheets and there happens to be a course on Excel spreadsheets at, at TAFE and TAFE are offering these courses for free during yes. this COVID situation. And so, you know, we came up with that and that's something that we're going to do together. So, you know, here is a, a situation that's thrown up uh, a possibility for us to do something together that's really helpful for both of our jobs. And, you know, it's pretty good talking about things like that that are really helpful and useful. Yeah, you're spot on. I actually had um, quite a few patients yesterday say the same thing. I keep asking them, how are you coping with the COVID situation as I start a consultation? Um, and so many of them are saying, actually, this is great. I'm sort of doing things that I didn't have to do. I didn't have a chance to do before, like um, uh, courses or um, exercise or spending time playing with the kids in ways I didn't get to do. Um, 
and or just uh, meditating things that we don't you know taking baths and relaxing the things that they took there's no way they could have done in a busy lifestyle um by the time they've traveled an hour to work and an hour back and um and just you know the the i suppose we adapt now we're sort of saying to ourselves look we're going to go to the shop we can't go constantly to the shop so therefore let's think about writing lists and let's think about what we need to do so that we might do that once in a week instead of oh i forgot this again you know we're we're putting better strategies in place so that we um can be more efficient with our time and our situation and i think that's great because Often, and this is what I was saying to a bunch of them, was now we get to see how our, our world is without all the distractions, so many distractions, or maybe the strategies of being lazy and just constantly hopping in our car and going and doing whatever we want to do um, instead of being planned in, in some ways and maybe relaxing in others. You know, that's what I was saying to them, at least at the home, wherever you can now, chill out. You get to chill out you, wherever you get to lay in the sun, especially in the morning, um, try and do that or maybe reading books that they didn't get to do. Um, so, yeah, it is definitely a chance where we go, well, while we've got all this time on our hands, let's try and do things that we really didn't do that are constructive. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people out there doing destructive things with a lot of time on their hands um, and that's where we can make a difference is just keep trying to inspire inspire people to be constructive you know what are some of the major um situations that come up when people come to you for help and how to deal with their anxiety what are some of the you know obviously um you know the job situation the financial situation um not being able to to you know pay their bills obviously is would cause anxiety Mm -hmm. the anxiety of as you know we spoke about before with with homeschooling you know the kids are home where um the parents may not have been in school for quite some time and don't have the tools to be able to to assist their kids when they have questions about you know their homework you know that would have been a tough one for me thank goodness my kids were out of school so you know, what are some of the main ones that the main forms of anxiety that you come across when you speak to your patients? Um, so with anxiety just in general, so there's a there's some of us, uh, lots of us that actually just have anxiety. We're warriors um, and they'll be for different reasons. And so often I will try and get a bit of a background of how they were raised what did they have as examples as parents who because they may have been raised by parents who were really anxious and so without even knowing they've just brought been brought up to think that that was right to quickly worry about things and it's learnt behavior um so that's a big one and that carries on with them in everything so and they know it and they hate it so often patients will say I I know I'm worrying and I hate that I'm worrying because it's a horrible feeling um, but I don't know where it's coming from and why because intellectually they know better they're often really intelligent people they know that this is a silly thing to worry about but they don't understand why their body's doing it and so what often happens is in the first three years of your life um, that's where a lot of your emotional development's happening and so if for instance you're the first child of um, a mother that might be either depressed or anxious or a father that might be depressed or anxious um their influence on 
panicking when they don't know how to do things um, is going to then impact your emotional self. Um, and so often we will see that uh, that will play out in a child um, when you were anxious with them they may become quite anxious children themselves um, and then into anxious adults if it's not sort of cleared up as a child um, that's one thing so like a built-in you know learnt behavior others will be trauma so they've experienced something really traumatic um, and I suppose it's it's you know, like even guys that go and women that go to war They've, they never had anxiety in the past and they're coming back and they might have um, PTSD um, or, and, and um, trauma from that situation. So something bad that's happened. Um, and then they have to work through that as well. It's, it's interesting with anxiety because it doesn't take very much. The body's sort of geared up in a way that it's switched on so that the brain doesn't recognise that this isn't the same the same um, problem that you'd experienced before. It just goes worry and will flare up into a panic um, because at one point you worried and panicked about something um, and it will, like say for instance, if a spider was crawling on you at one point and you panicked as a child and thought maybe that's going to hurt me because you'd heard that some of them can kill you um every time you see a spider you might then go into that fear and panic um and we know lots of phobias happen that way as well you might have been bitten by a dog as a child and so there's that so there's there's um then the the other reasons will be that your um, nervous system is hyperactive because you're stimulating it all the time and that might be with stimulants as either drug stimulants or it could be coffee or it could be sugars, alcohol, they're all stimulants. And so you may already have a very um, sensitive nervous system and now you're heightening it thinking that I'm not doing anything other than just drinking a couple of coffees a day. So are you saying that, you know, your diet, affects your stress level so i've heard you say something about your cortisol level or exactly and and we'll go more into that in our next podcast but <clears throat> definitely stimulants are going to um, raise cortisol levels which will put us into that fight or flight so you might not feel scared and want to run away but you might now feel really aggravated and agitated and be um, really hard to live with because you're not taking care of that sort of you know, stuff. So it cuts down on anxiety, like strategies or a plan or, um, you know, what would you suggest? So um, definitely you want to lower the cortisol levels. <clears throat> so if your cortisol levels are high, deep breathing, um, trying meditation's a big one, deep breathing, just sitting in the moment, lowering your breath rate, um, moving, uh, breathing with your diaphragm, um, chewing your food really well, <clears throat> big one, actually. So if you chew your food really well, the, the body knows that you're not um, able to run. You, you mustn't be running away from a lion because you've got time to actually chew and slow your, your body down. And so it will tend to lower the, um, the cortisol levels. Breathing's the same. If you breathe with your diaphragm, your body knows that you're not in a sprinting running away sort of action so it will think that everything's okay and it will start to lower the cortisol levels um so that's technically from a biochemical 
um, way, you know, uh, you can sort of improve it. Environment's a big one. So cleaning up your environment, having structure to your environment, structure to your day um, helps so that nothing's just sort of sprung on you at the last minute. That whole springing someone sort of expecting you to just jump up and do what they want you to do right then and there um, is going to be often raising anxiety so maybe having words that you can say to somebody that maybe might be even in the family that does that has those sorts that they might be running their life that way and so they think it's all normal to just put that on someone else and so it can raise anxiety um so having the words to sort of say look you know, I really um, work very differently here because otherwise I get quite anxious. If you can give me an hour or two hours warning, I'm always happy to help, you know, but I really need that time because I don't want to rush in traffic um, and I hate that feeling that it's, it comes over me. Like if you're using words of what happens there or with children, children often will do that, you know, mum, mum, I need you to do this now. I want to go to my friend's place right now. I want you to drive me now, you know, that panic thing. I suppose talking to them through that, look, you're going to go, I'm happy for you to go, but I'm going to need some time. So just ring up your friend, you know, you're talking calmly, just tell them, I can't come right now, but I can be there in an hour. Um, And it's great for them because it teaches them not to just sort of panic about things as well. It's also good because I'm, I'm sure you come across this. It's like me when I go get a golf lesson and then I'm hitting the ball great. And then I go out on the golf course and then I kind of lose the plot. I mean, do you feel like that when do your, do your patients ever feel like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're giving me all the solutions. I feel a lot better about it. Say, for example, when you're showing a mother how to get the baby to sleep and you do it and you know, inside of a minute and then hand the baby back to the mother. And then when they get home, the baby starts crying and they kind of lose everything. You know, how do you deal with being able to get your patients to deal with their anxiety once they leave your office? Yeah, a good way to deal with anxiety in that sense is you, I suppose, if you think of it like a puzzle, um, and you're putting puzzle pieces together, and when all the puzzle pieces come together, you're you're going to be um, handling things way better than what you had been. So split that situation up into smaller pieces, and so therefore you might say, "Look, today I'm going to I'm going to focus on saying these words to the kids, and if by the end of the day I can actually keep saying that's a really good point, I'm going to think about that and just give." yourself a bit of space with whatever they're doing or you might sort of say in the baby situation um, you might go look there's a lot of things that might make that baby cry so how about we focus on burping the baby really well wrapping the baby really well and don't worry if the baby doesn't go to sleep really quickly but just holding it and and just learning to sort of be okay with the baby in your arms and soothing the baby that way and humming you know you're breaking down things in pieces that they can sort of go today I'll, I'll just be I'll do use a couple of these strategies um, and then I'll keep adding more and more strategies it's like a fine-tuning so you just want to do the gross stuff first the major things and then start to fine-tune as you go and, and perfect it and better it and better it as you go along all right well I'm thinking that we're running out of a bit of time right now is there anything you want to cover before I wrap this baby up um, 
Let me think. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I suppose being, yeah, being prepared in a situation at the moment with COVID, um, being prepared is going to lower the the anxiety. So if you're thinking, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to have a job in two months' time. So how about I just spend money on the things that I need to spend money on and not on the things that I just want to spend money on. Let's let's just do that and put a bit of savings aside because I don't know about the future. And often that'll just calm you down to think that's okay, at least I've got a little bit in the bank that I can sort of go a little bit longer if I need to. Um, With your shopping, you know, um, what do I actually really need? Planning what you want to spend, have some sort of idea of how can I save maybe with shopping? Do we need to um, buy lunches every day? Um, Can I make extra at dinner? I often will say to patients, look, make double at dinner. And that way you've got extra for leftovers the next day. Um, and, And just choosing you know, wisely as far as choosing vegetables and and fruit that are in season. They're going to be cheaper than the ones that aren't in season. It's better to eat that way anyway. Um, But just, yeah, thinking ahead of areas that, you know, where you might have met up with somebody and gone and had a meal, you might go, well, let's go for a walk together. We're getting exercise at the same time um, and, you know, able to get outside in the sun and Look, the sun it plays a major role in our in our happiness, and that was the last thing I really wanted to sort of um, put out there was if you can sit by a window or get out in the morning before nine o'clock and let the sun hit your eyes without sunglasses um, for a good fifteen minutes, it's going to raise the hormone serotonin in your system, and it's your happy hormone, and it's going to set your day better, but it's going to lift your mood. Um, and I think that's really important because at the moment, um, I've noticed a lot of people starting to get depression. They're becoming demotivated. They're becoming pessimistic and not sleeping. And it's just that with anxiety, you tend not to sleep. And it's just becoming a mess. So if we can get out in the morning, get the sunlight in our eyes, start our day off like that, eat really well so that we, and and we're going to talk about that, so I'm going to go into detail in our next one, but eat really well. And then at night, try and get some really good sleep and rested sleep. Um, That's going to help lift our mood and, and, and change the way we feel with anxiety. Thanks for sharing all that stuff with us. Pleasure. That's all the time we have on Inside Living. If you want to keep up with us, just go to the website and follow the links. And you can also go to the App Store. Look for Inside Living on Spotify. We'll see you next time.